I'm saying? It's all good, baby. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine, salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine, having pictures on my wall every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic, Marley Marl. I left my tape rock till my tape popped. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Continue podcast episode 31! <laughs> what the hell song was that? Oh, it's uh, Juicy yeah. by Biggie. It's, it's, nope, it's, don't know it. It's Juicy by Biggie. It has, it has the greatest, like, f- true first opening line, which is, it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. It's just, it's just, mwah. Okay. It's, Super Nintendo, I, um, Sega Genesis. Yep. I was dead broke. I couldn't picture this. <laughs> Birthdays yeah. was the worst days. Now we're sipping it, champagne when we're thirsty. It is. It is like the one song that we could do that was even like tangentially related to video games that actually gotcha. has lines about game consoles in it. And I was like, "Screw that! What is this? A different podcast where people are just going in with a plan?" Um, welcome back to the Continue Podcast, everybody. It has been two weeks. My name is Anthony John Agnello, and with me are my lovely co-hosts on this monstrosity. Uh, we've got Susan Arndt. I still have lots of time on my hands. <laughs> Not for much longer, uh, though. Fingers crossed, right? We'll talk about that offline. Okay, okay. all right, all right. Uh, and we've also got Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. I had my first PC experience on my new computer. I got oh, no. Hey. Uh, uh, literally the day after it came in the mail. Uh, so I was downloading stuff on Steam, as you do, like trying to get all my games back, get them, you know, like spending yeah. just all day, download so many game launchers, you guys. Like, it's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh, the download cut out. I was like, oh, okay, and I check my devices, and my wireless adapter is throwing a Code 10 error. Uh, I look up what a Code 10 error means, and apparently that means that there's an issue with the driver. Like, the device is read, like, the computer's reading the device, but the driver, there's a conflict, and it's just like, I don't work. So I went through, like, I tried to download the drivers, reinstall them, I tried to uninstall the device from the device manager, reinstall it, nothing was working, I was like, is this thing just broken, like, the day after I get it? I stumble across the Reddit thread that's like, I don't know why this works, but if you reset your BIOS, everything's fine. So I did that. <laughs> Everything was fine. Uh, I hate computers. <laughs> they suck. Welcome Dude, like, to yeah. why I have consoles, sir! This, uh, is, this is consoles... This is, this is why I keep my old consoles... Yeah. Because I do want to play old things, and every now and again I'm like, just learn how to use and configure the emulators, dude. I think about that experience. Just the phrase, yeah, just reset the BIOS, everything will be fine. No. No. <laughs> I don't, absolutely not. No. Never. Ever. Don't ever I like, think about that forever. I like the tinkering. It's when the stuff <clears throat> goes wrong that just, like, 
causes yeah. the lizard part. Well, the yeah. Right now, like, yeah. like danger, danger. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's because here's the thing. This is what bugs me about PC gamers. Because I'll say something like that. A PC gamer will be me like, oh, you just have to learn it. Yes, I could. I'm an incredibly intelligent woman. I am brilliant, <laughs> motherfucker. I am smart enough to know I don't want to waste my time doing that shit. So I will be playing on consoles. Thank you. Yeah, it's also it's also a lie. I did put all the PC assholes. They're like, just learn it. I did. It's a goddamn hassle. Even when it's you, a nightmare. It's a it's a goddamn hassle every yeah. single time. You should be able to do a simple thing. Like I and again, it, I'm not talking about like installing some weird legacy piece of software from right. 20 years ago. I've been playing Monster Hunter World on PC with a friend. And it's easier because we can't just, like, meet up in the game and use, like, Steam's chat client. Because for some reason, his microphone setup doesn't oh, play gosh. nice with the Steam client. <laughs> yeah, no, this, right. that happened to me with the friend and Portal 2. Like, we had to use it, yeah. Discord because Steam Su- was just shitting Su- the bed. Super common. Super common. And we were using Skype, but then Skype wasn't working for oh, me. Oh, my God. No. So, I Mm-mm. like, we used Discord. And then I go into Monster Hunter World and I'm just like run in windowed mode so it's easy for me to get to Discord right. if I need to fiddle with something. I tried to make this goddamn game run <laughs> in windowed mode for an hour because that's what happens with these stupid PC things. You start being like, oh, it's going to be one simple fix. All right, no, that didn't work. No, it didn't yeah. work. No, dude. And then four days passed. I spent <laughs> six hours trying to get Dark Souls to work on my computer back when that came out on PC because it had the games for Windows Live, like, Ugh. deprecated software in it still. Ugh. It took me six hours to figure out it was because I had two-factor authentication set up in my Microsoft account, <laughs> and games for Windows Live doesn't like it. It took me two hours or six hours to figure that out. And by the time I was like, I just played my Dark Souls. I'm done. Yeah. 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 All right. Related. I don't want, we have topics that we're going to cover in today's episode. I don't want to belabor this point, but I did want to say these words out loud to you two, because I think you'll be a little surprised. Um, Since our last episode, I have been using an Xbox One X. Okay. There's one in my home now. And Xbox, the Xbox One X, which I've been perpetually making fun of. Yes. It, the Xbox still deserves to be made fun of. Yeah. There's no, there's no two ways about that. I will say I am almost to the point where I'm going to say it's the most usable console I have ever used at like an OS accessing things. That's a lie. That's a lie. Okay. Okay. Here, here is what I, and I don't know if it's the dashboard is across all things. Here's why it's good. There is no such thing as the dashboard anymore. There's just like a pop in. And anytime you want to go to something, it's just like, here's where all your games live. Here's the last thing you used here. Are the last two things you used after that. It's like if all of the old, you remember the blades? Yes. The blades. I remember them fondly. So instead of abandoning the blades for no reason, because it was a good idea that just needed to be refined, they were like, what if we made all the blades a single blade? And that's it, and it just works instantaneously. Which is awesome, 
if you need to very quickly turn on an episode of Daniel Tiger at 3 a.m. Oh, all right. Now it becomes clear to me. Profoundly useful if you're like, stop playing Ninja Gaiden Black and go to Daniel Tiger. Great. Excellent. Marvelous. Not so good if you, like, think of a game that you would like to play, but you don't have downloaded. Good luck. Good luck. Oh, going man. in there into the many different yeah, this would you like to go sucks. to the sh- would you like to go into the shop would you like to go into your library here's a lantern and <laughs> does this a- have DLC <laughs> I don't know. here here's a dot matrix printout of every single thing you've ever downloaded from an Xbox for 12 years <laughs> go have fun <laughs> I it's it's inexplicable the only the only way I could describe using an Xbox One X beyond that single blade, I really like that single blade. The rest of it is the the machine treats you like you're somebody's grandparent that's asking to understand how to like update Windows. Oh my god. Yes. The Xbox One X is a techie 20-year-old who's just like, God, grandma, no! Go to the start menu. <laughs> you need to update your driver, Grandma. Like, don't. It's I just, all good. Please be patient. By the way, uh, I think it's important that we take a moment to congratulate you on your new job, Anthony. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very yeah, much. Uh, I, I, I am an editor at The Escapist now, which is basically the job that I wanted really badly when I was 26 years old. <laughs> I, it's it's the job that I was like, I wonder how many backlinks I can put in this article on my stupid blog so that they'll notice me. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, yeah, here I am. Here, it, it, nine years after Susan edited my first pitch for the magazine, uh, I am now an editor. Thank you, guys. It's very, uh, it's very exciting. And uh, the exci- the most exciting thing is that I get to go... And I could just put all my intro paragraphs back into the thing. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. I swear to God, I will go in. I will delete them again. Like, okay, just so for, instantaneously go from 1000 words to 1600. Yeah. Again. Just, yeah. And I'll just, I'll just be, I will ban your account. Like Virgil at Dante's Inferno. Oh, yeah. God. Kagura leads players throughout. I, uh, I, I I am not actually involved with the relaunch of The Escapist. I chose not to be. I I have uh, I did what I wanted to do at that particular publication. I'm very proud of the work I did there. Uh, I'm extremely happy that someone that I can trust and who I know loves things the way I love things is taking care of that shiz now. Oh. Don't break my house, or I will that, fucking kill you. That means that means so much to me. I, I'm so I'm so excited. When you by the time everybody is listening to this, the other exciting thing is I'm bringing back the incarnate uh, the the old talk show, the Twitch Yay! talk show. Yay! The Twitch talk show is back, everybody. It, so it returns. Happy. The Twitch talk show is back. Uh, same format, uh, and a little bit more of like a rigid envisioning of what we were trying to do well good because i mean uh, yeah yeah, and like well now there's no longer 
<laughs> there's nobody trying to fuck us. Well, yeah. That's tr- <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> somebody said, what's your vision? Execute it rather than, how can we fuck you? Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I was like, yeah. uh, blow monsters with <laughs> heavy <laughs> artillery. Uh, no, so, so Tuesdays, uh, by the time you're listening to this, Tuesdays will be interviews with developers uh, for new games that are coming out. And Thursdays will be interviews with developers from old games. Oh, that's that's rad, dude. I'm into and it. We've got... I, oh, my God, guys. I'm so excited about my initial lineup. Our very, our very wait, first episode... Wait, wait, wait. Are you allowed to say this? Yes! This is, this is, okay. this is, total, this is booked. This is, this is not, none of this is embargoed. Our very first guest is somebody who I have been trying to get to do an interview for 10 years. I have Ben Judd... Formerly of Capcom, producer of Bionic Commando 3. Coming on next Thursday. We're talking about his whole career. We're talking about localizing Ace Attorney. We're talking about everything. And the week after that, uh, we're going to have the uh, director of the original Spyro. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we're going to... Right out of the gate, dude. Right out the gate. Right out the gate. I'm going to have on (laughs) Reed Young... The founder of Starmen.net and, nice. uh, and Fangamer to talk about Earthbound. And we're get, we're doing a little synergy thing there because he's doing a documentary about Starmen.net. It's going to be a little cross-collaboration. Awesome. I, hope, doc- I hope he tells you the right way to say documentary. I know. Times. I no, know. In the, in the stream. Dave, At Master Shake voice is in here forever. Master <laughs> yeah. Shake. But you know what's weird? Anthony's not the only person I know who says it that way. All right, thank you. Like yeah. it's, I, I, I think that it's. That doesn't it's make only... it right. No, it doesn't. My friend Paul also says it completely wrong, but I, I found that uh, remarkable. All right, let me try it again. Let me try it. Documentary. No. no. Documentary. No. What? You let's just there. go. Documentary. Let's just, Dave, talk about All things. Right. Okay. All right, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about video games. So related to what we were talking about before, with. Uh, the making a PC do the things that you want it to do. Dave, you were struggling to make a PlayStation 3 emulator work on your machine, and you actually got a long-lost game running. Yeah. Uh, you you got Scott Pilgrim for PS3 running on your machine. Yeah, it works. Uh, that's not a thing that people are going to be able to commonly do. No, you can't. It. you cannot legally buy that game anymore because the way the rights work... Uh, Universal has the movie rights, Ubisoft had the game licensing rights, the, the rights expired, game is no longer available for purchase, but, you know, thanks to pirates who walked the line of legality and morality, uh, they've gotten it running on PS3 emulation software on the, uh, on the, on the PC, which I, I thought was going to be a lot longer coming uh, to be honest, but uh, they they they've been working some magic. But the problem is, Nintendo playing Scott Pilgrim. Well, um, <laughs> the game the game's actually good. Yeah, the game the game's good. The game has okay. nothing to do with the movie. Right, right, right. It's Across basically River City Ransom. Uh, oh, right. But uh, okay, so earlier this month, or actually, th- no, this is back in July, uh, July nineteenth. Uh, this is according to a Kotaku article called Nintendo Suing Pirate Websites for Millions. Uh, Nintendo filed a lawsuit in the Arizona federal court against uh, 
the owner of two sites, loveroms.com and loveretro.co, uh, both of them owned by one guy named Jacob Matthias. And basically, the lawsuit is saying that, hey, you have been hosting Nintendo's games on here. You have been profiting off of Nintendo's games on here. Uh, you can't do that. <laughs> so we are suing you for millions. And yeah, like uh, the shortly after news of that broke out, the site uh, basically shut down with a note on the front that said, Love Retro has effectively been shut down. Until further notice, thanks for your patronage to date, and we hope to get this figured out. So, that dude's basically screwed. Mm -hmm. Like, for millions of dollars. Like, he's just, he's done. Uh, and so, so, what that's done is it's created a ripple effect. Uh, normally, these sorts of things happen. Nintendo issues a cease and desist. A website removes Nintendo ROMs or whatever. Uh and then they just kind of go about their business. No, none of the, these sites, as far as I recall in recent memory, have really been hit this hard. And so uh, one of the biggest and mo most prevalent and most uh, like user-friendly sites, uh, EMU Paradise, in response to this, uh, is basically getting ahead of the situation and has removed all of their ROM images from their website as a way of saying, like, look... We do this because we love it. We don't make money. Uh, they basically, they ask for donations to help cover server costs, but they don't charge money for stuff. Uh, they don't profit off of it, as far as I know. And I will also the, say but, that Emu Paradise is the only place that I, like, going back to 2002, 3, it's the only place I've ever used ROMs from. Back. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's clean. They don't uh -huh. bombard you with ads. Uh, you don't get malware. Like it's, it was one of the yeah. safest places to go, and now they've decided to. They they are basically taking the site in a new direction. They are moving away from hosting ROMs and instead are going to be more community focused about the love of mm -hmm. gaming, like classic games. I have so, a question. Yes, the guy who uh, Nintendo filed suit against was he charging money? Uh. Bu -bu 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 -bu. No, I think I think it was just that he had far more prominent uh, ad placement. Like oh, nobody, uh, yeah, like no, he wasn't sitting there and saying, "Oh, you need to give me two dollars, and uh, then you." you okay, get but, he was, but he was, but he, but he was selling. Well, he yeah, was there, was, there was there there was a, 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 like it's I, and it's old school, just crappy. Uh, you know, Google can yeah yeah like they yeah. just put the space and then Google serves whatever. Their yeah. algorithms so play free that, Nintendo games, like right. yeah. like specifically yeah. advertising that you could get free Nintendo games there. Yeah. yeah. Uh. So yeah. So this site uh, has shut down, and I think a couple other ROM sites or have uh, ROM sites have removed most or not all of their content. And now my question to you is this: I guess like, how do you all feel about this? Because I'm of two minds. Uh, mm -hmm. I have I have the mind that is like I know how the world works and I get why Nintendo is doing this, uh, and it makes sense because Nintendo has to protect its IP. Uh, it needs to like you know Super Mario is big business for them, Pokemon's big business for them, and it wants to make sure that when you get a game, not only are they making money off of it, they know that you are not getting a lesser service, which could you know negatively impact the brand. So. On the other hand, the hippie part of my brain that hates the way the world works is like There's this no is property, a, man. This There's is no a, yeah. This is money's just like a like a concept, man. Oh, no. shut the fuck up, Dave. <laughs> Jesus. No, but like, 
that in in protecting <laughs> Nintendo's IP, they are destroying the records of so many other games in in its wake because there are so many games that won't that like publishers don't care about that will disappear because of this. Well, wait, how why, why do you say that? Like why do you say that Nintendo protecting their property is destroying other property? Well, because all of the ROMs will go away and yeah, then no one will be able just, to Yeah, it's just it's just not it's not just Nintendo's games that are vanishing. You know, a perfect example is Emu Paradise, so all mm-hmm. the NES stuff is gone. Yeah, all, all the, the games NES, are gone. all the games, everything's gone, I which see. means that now uh that means that like R type three for Super Nintendo mm-hmm. and uh god, oh god Metal Storm for NES mm-hmm. are gone too. Princess and, Tomato is, is and, gone. But like those those two, like okay, Princess Tomato, Konami still exists. Right. Konami may or may not decide to put those things out there. Irem, who made the old R type games, Irem is gone. They they all of the licensing for those things just exists in this nebulous vacuum out there. So there are, you know, all of these developers from, you know, as recently as 10 years ago, whose work vanishes because the entities themselves no longer exist, and all of the weird IP rights to those things are just swirling away. Um, so we've actually, the three of us have talked about this in the show, and Susan, you have codified this really, really well when you have been running game websites and it's the like what is our policy on piracy and you have a great rule for this that i i abide by at this point and it's can you buy a thing at all and then play it on the hardware that you want no is the hardware that you can play this thing on readily available anywhere no have the hell at it it is out of print. Nobody is going to be profiting by this at all. Uh, so, Dave, my quick answer to you is, you know, how do you feel about this? I feel like Nintendo brought these market conditions on their goddamn self. That's Yeah, that's where I feel, too. You want to make money on these things? Make them available. There is a, a horde of people who are willing to spend $8 on a Neo Geo game that takes five minutes to play a Nintendo Switch, and you're waiting to put a, a, a single NES game one of on the, that goddamn machine? One of the best-selling eShop games for months was the arcade version of Super Mario Brothers. There you go. Not it's the true. NES version, the arcade version. People want it. But, yeah. like, and, and I feel like this is... <sighs> Nintendo... In particular, but a lot of companies want, they don't want to preserve their legacy, they want to weaponize it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it does, it does games a disservice. Wow. So, yeah, okay. Wow. Susan, you've run an, you've run a commercial enterprise on the internet. Yes. Multiple commercial enterprises on the internet. Yes. How do you feel about this? Because there, there is, there is the reality that these people who are running these sites, you know, uh, it doesn't matter that you're community first. You are bringing people to a place that is making enough money to keep it open and pay for hosting services. You know, Susan, like you, you know the legality of what these people were doing. It's it's they're, it's flat out illegal. I mean, there's flat that's, out. Illegal. It, it is. There's there's no gray area there. What they are doing is 
illegal. I Here's the thing, like, I understand where this is coming from. This is coming from a place of wanting to play these games. And in a lot of cases, you can't get them easily. Like, maybe you can snag it off of eBay or something like that. But in a lot of cases, it's just not that easy. And I, I want to make it very, very clear that when we are talking about piracy, we are talking with a perspective that is North American. Because mm-hmm. once you get outside of Europe and North America and Japan, the rules are different. Yeah. And I make no claim to, to any kind of morality with regards to like in South America or Africa or anything like that. But within, within the bounds of North America. But here's the thing. I 100% understand wanting to preserve these games. I understand wanting to play these games. I am supportive of all of that. You're not entitled to them, bitches. If Nintendo doesn't want to make them available for whatever reason, they don't have to. Doesn't matter that people would buy it. They have decided that they're they're not going to do it. Maybe it's because the rights are a pain in the ass. Maybe it's because they just don't see an ROI on it that is worth their while. Whatever. They have decided no. And it's their shit. They get to make that decision. You are right to be frustrated by it. You're right to be disappointed by it. You're right to be confused by it, for sure. But you're not entitled to this software. Well, then I think think the thing, the question then becomes like, because like film has gone through a lot of this stuff too. And I know like in Mm. in our our discussion on on the email, you wanted me to dig into like the history of how film has approached like film preservation. Because it got, it got really silly once the, the, once the advent of beta and VHS yeah. came to the public and those things were affordable, everybody in the film industry lost their shit. They yeah. were terrified. They're like, we'll never make money at the theater and then, again. And like, eventually they, uh, they came around, uh, some, most companies came around to it uh, because they were making money off of home video copies. Uh, but, you know, eventually cases went to the Supreme Court and the decisions went back and forth. Like, yes, it's legal. No, it's not. Until the Supreme Court finally said, yes, VCRs are legal and people can record stuff off the TV if they want to uh, for personal use. Um, but the thing is... Wait, that was a that was a court thing back in yeah, the day? Yeah, yeah. it was like, uh, I forget who brought it against Sony, but... Uh, is that yeah, why we like have the, the, the disclaimers uh, uh, for Major League Baseball? You can't. Oh, oh, oh then you, like you have to. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no you cannot record can it without reproduced. express permission. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, probably, yeah. Some licensing to do with that because it operates outside of like whatever the motion picture thing is. But anyway, right. like so, ninety-five percent of movies made before like nineteen twenty-five or nineteen twenty-nine or something like that are just gone. They're gone, mm-hmm. yeah. and there are two yeah. reasons why they're gone. Uh, one is because film was made on nitrate, which was yeah. highly flammable. <laughs> so, like, you would just, like... Oopsie! So, like, even if you did preserve it, like, Harold Lloyd took care of his stuff, but, like, his archive caught fire and he lost, Aww. like, half of his movies. It just... That happened. But the yeah. other thing that happened was movie studios, in order to make room for additional movies that they were making, they would just destroy movies. They would yeah. film over the tape. Wow. They would, or they would like just burn them because they didn't see the value of preserving this stuff. So there wow. are actors and actresses who have entire incredibly notable careers. Like it would be that are just like their entire history is gone. 
Like, you cannot yeah. find their movies Damn. anywhere. It would be like saying, hey, t- like, a hundred years from now, telling people that there's this weird guy who is really into Scientology named Tom Cruise who had a huge career, and you could not watch a single movie of it. Like, right. Top Gun just right. didn't exist. And, like, so it wasn't until the 50s that, like, film, the technology for film got better, but even then, like, the preservation didn't really, like, the idea that, oh, these are important cultural artifacts didn't really kick in until the 1980s when those movies started to degrade. Mm. And that's when uh, the uh, a bunch of directors uh, talk, went in front of Congress, and that's when they established the American Film Library of Congress, basically to preserve important works of film. Uh, but, yeah, like I, I feel like games so, ha- have to get to that point where we have to sit down and have a discussion and say... Are games an important cultural artifact? Do they deserve to be preserved? Also, we need to get public domain back. Yeah, okay. So there is, <laughs> there's a problematic wrinkle there, Dave. And the problematic wrinkle is that the culture of ROM sharing and piracy in games has been so entrenched for so long because games came of age yeah. at the exact mm-hmm. same time as the internet that the people who create video games, the people that love video games, uh, know that these things are important cultural artifacts and are doing the work to preserve them. And even at a business level, there are people who are relying on pirates to do that preservation. Yeah, yeah like one of the, Super, most the Super things... Mario Brothers virtual console title has a ROM header in it. Yeah, one, one of the most like telling things that I have ever experienced was 2012, or 2013 rather, when Rock Band was shutting down its download service. And the last thing that they put out officially before, you know, Rock Band came back was uh, American Pie. Like, bye-bye, Miss American Pie. I talked to Greg Lopiccolo two days after that, and I was like, you know, what is Harmonix doing to try and make Rock Band survive? Because you guys, you guys are dying because of the monumental amounts yeah. of money that you've put into licensing these songs. Like the Beatles murdered Rock Band for a while. Right. It ended Harmonix's relationship with EA and MTV. And Greg Lopiccolo was like, "We're not doing anything. The fans are doing it for us. The fans are doing it for us in perpetuity. They're taking all of the data that we're putting out there. It's illegal. They're not paying us for it." But we don't have to worry about preservation because they're doing it for us. Mm-hmm. And they're not the only studio that has ever said that. There's plenty of studios there's that a, do the exact same thing. There's a there's an essay uh, recently published by Chris Kohler uh, where he has an interview, a clip from an interview with Hironobu Sakaguchi. Uh, I have it here. Call him by his real name, The Gooch. The Gooch. Uh, I'm not really against people playing the emulated versions. It's not like I'm collecting royalties, Sakaguchi <laughs> said. Oh, snap. Maybe I should create my own emulated version. Bottom line is, the more people who get to know our games, the more the merrier. Yeah, and that's that's tough. That yeah. is That is damaging to people that do want to keep their product out there, their creation yeah. out there in a way that's going to continue to make them money. You know, yeah. that's that's brutal. Uh, it doesn't really help, too, that Nintendo has a history of being overly litigious. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I the one that will always stick out in my head was in 2003 or four. 
Um, we don't have to go into details about this institution, but there is a business called Suicide Girls that was sent a oh, cease yeah. and desist and were threatened with with a million dollar lawsuit because a nude model used the word no. Metroid in no. a blog. No, she, no, that's she, not what it was. That's oh. not what it was. All right, correct me. It was images of, she had like a mushroom tattoo or it was something Mario related and it was a visual. Oh, so there's, there are two incidents then. Because oh, okay. There's, there's one, you, okay. Not to get into Suicide Girls lore. I think it was but, like on her, like each girl had their own page and one of them had like Mario on it. Yeah. So they all, they like, they, these nude models had their own pages. Children listening to continue podcast before Tumblr, there was other <laughs> things on the internet. Yeah. And so one, the first time that Nintendo like went after them, a, a, a woman was just blogging about Metroid. She just wrote about Metroid. And the only reason I remember this at all is that uh, John Constantine published a news story about it on Nerve.com. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't see Susan flipping me the bird. It's amazing. Um, but, oh my god, Susan. So there was another one where like somebody had like images of Mario or Mario Tats or something? It was, I, I, we happened to cover it at The Escapist back in the day. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, it was, it was something uh, to the effect she had some, I do not know if it was a tattoo or if she like just had a picture of him tacked up, but on her homepage, uh, where there were other images that Nintendo did not want associated with its brand, she had Mario stuff cause she liked Mario. And so, uh, they got a cease and desist for that. Um, so I want to I want to bring up I I sadly have been unable to find the article but there's a really awesome article at the escapist <laughs> about how cra- it used to be called cracking and that was part of the distribution model for computer games. Yeah. It was and like the devs would actually put messages into the crackers for like for when they they beat it and, and could like pass it out and to be like whoa you cracked this version of the game yay go you and there's an amazing article uh back in the from back in the day on the escapist about how that was just part of the culture yeah that was just what you did like you just passed roms around to to be and copies of video games that's just how that was how gaming got around at the time uh but then once there was this ability to digitally distribute things and it became a much bigger business. You just can't do that anymore. Yeah. Although I, you know, I would, I would love happy puppy to come back. Oh man. Happy Happy puppy. That's a name I haven't heard years. Yeah. Happy puppy was an abandonware site. It would whatever get like, as long as no one had the rights it was on Happy Puppy for download. Man. I, yeah, I. it's weird to me that this week, as all this has been happening, Shigeru Miyamoto gave a talk at a developer's conference where he was talking about Nintendo's mobile strategy. Mm. And he, you know, he sort of copped to some of the failures that Nintendo has had. And he said, you know, the fixed price model where we're like, mm. give us $10 for Mario Run. 
hasn't been very successful. Shocker. But at the exact same time, he's still not, you know, totally on board with free-to-play because the existing free-to-play models don't offer value to players. And he said, you know, his he starts talking about his fear for the entire video game industry is what happened to the music industry where the policies became so predatory in mm. the legal distribution world that people had, like, they looked at the technology for sharing things outside of a four-pay system and were like, screw you guys, you're not giving us any real value for what we're willing to pay. And I think that the real, that it boils down to the fact that, yes, people don't have a right to these things, but the people that own them aren't giving them any option to exploit or explore the value of the things in these archives. But they don't and have to. They're not they obligated to. They're not obligated to. But, you know, I, I, I <laughs> it's just going to continue to give people an excuse to pirate it. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Wait, and, I, and I get that. I do. Yeah. I And I'm not... Like, I'm not saying, you're such an asshole, why would you even do that? I understand <laughs> why you would do that. I totally get it. Like, you know, if you're pirating Super Mario Odyssey, fuck you, you're an asshole. Yeah, you're right? a yeah. you're, you're a dick. You're just a dick. But, like, something, you know, like R-Type or whatever, I totally understand where that is coming from. But if Nintendo wants to take it down and wants to file suit, that's their right, man. That's their yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's their and, stuff. And that blows... For us, the players, yeah. But they're not being jerks. They're not, you know, like yeah. I, just I, because, I do, yeah, yeah. I like. I do think a lot of it is just a result of the fact that copyright law has gotten, like, the public domain absurd, law has yeah. gotten so absurd yeah. that, like, it used to be like twenty years or something, and something would be public domain. Isn't it a hundred years now? Yeah, it's, it's like, basically like yeah. death the and then hundred years. Yeah. So, like, stuff that was made in nineteen twenty three will finally be public domain. Next year, I think, Weird. which is like, yeah, kind of ridiculous, especially since so much of that stuff is just gone now. But um, I will I want to close on this one note as sort of a defense of the idea of maybe going through illicit means to preserve cultural artifacts. And it's a movie called Nosferatu. I saw someone mm -hmm. talk about this on Twitter and I looked it up and was like, oh, shit. So the only reason the movie Nosferatu and probably like the entire like cultural artifact of Dracula as a persona exists because of copyright infringement. As far as we know him in like movies and stuff. So this was the only film that a German company called Prana Film made because they declared a bankruptcy immediately after making it. Because the widow of Bram Stoker, Florence oh. Stoker, sued for copyright infringement and won in the country of Germany. The German courts ah. declared that all existing prints of Nosferatu be burned. Much like the two-human situation, right? <laughs> Where, you know? Yes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. two-human and X-Men evolution. X and X-Men, yes. Okay. Oh, no, X-Men Destiny. Forgive me. X-Men Destiny. Okay, but purportedly, there was one copy left that had made it outside of the country. One copy. <laughs> and it was copied and distributed around the world, became a cult classic, and now it is considered one of the, the, the grandfather of horror movies. And it only exists because some dude is like, fuck that, that's not cool, and then 
copied it. So, like, again, it's illegal, but I don't know. Mm. Well, here's the thing. It's illegal. Yes, there's no argument there. Is it immoral? Mm, Not really. So, immorality. Immorality is an interesting place to transition. Immorality? Uh, or are you saying immorality or like immorality? Yes. Electronic yeah. morality? E- yes, electronic <laughs> immorality. Hey everybody, come down to Vapor's Knoll. We've got a new flavor in called immorality. It's got hints of berry and lime. So you can have the most flavorful puff. Immorality at Vapor's <sighs> Knoll. <laughs> My favorite shop on the Citadel. There you go. Uh, <laughs> no, I I, 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 like the idea of this this being a question not of whether or not you are a good person if you are if you are seeking to preserve these things. We're talking about legality, not morality. oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, Susan, speaking of self improvement, a Indeed. moral center, a yes. a, uh, a a seeking of the perfect self. Mm-hmm. You've been playing a little game called Phantom Doctrine that I have making you a better person. It actually is. It is. Um, okay, so uh, just a quick uh, explainer for anybody who doesn't know what Phantom Doctrine is. It is an XCOM style game. You have you know your squad of spies, and it's turn based. You can move a certain amount of squares. Shooting somebody costs an action. It's it's all that kind of stuff. I, as you know, don't play those games. <laughs> uh, the only one I've played is Mario plus Rabbids, and I loved it. Absolutely adore that game. So I, the, the, the thing that really appealed to me about Phantom Doctrine is the shtick. It's happening during the Cold War, mm. and it's, it's spies, and you actually take intel back to your hideout and decode it, and you put it up on a cork board, and you connect it with pins and red string. That sounds cool. Right? Like, that just really, that tickled me. It turns out that that part of the game is is more mechanical than intellectual, which is unfortunate, but it still tickles me that it exists. So, much in the ca- as was the case with Surviving Mars, it was the context that got me to try it, to try oh. this, this game genre I had never tried before. So I'm bad at this game. I am exceptionally bad. I am playing on easy. I have started over, started completely over twice. This is now my third playthrough. Uh, Because the game doesn't really, it absolutely assumes you know how to play these games. It assumes you know what's up and does not do a whole heck of a lot to tell you about its systems or, or what is at your disposal. Like, you can be counterfeiting money pretty much from the get-go. Because everything costs money. Like, you want to train your spies? That costs money. You need to move your hideout to a new location because, you, you know, you, you've been burned. New identity? It all costs money. I didn't know that. I got down to 800 bucks. I'm like, no, shit. I'm, <laughs> I am boned hardcore. So, so here's the thing. The... Best way, the safest way, if you encounter spies, if you get into a firefight with spies, your heat meter goes up because they've seen your face. Now they know you exist. They know you're an enemy agent and they're looking for you. Once your heat gets too high, 
your your cover is blown. You got to buy a new identity. You got to move your hideout. You got to do all these things. So the best thing you can possibly do is get in and out without anybody seeing you. Hmm. This takes careful planning and more relevant to this discussion, it takes patience. A virtue which I am not blessed with in abundance. Nah. I've never yeah. I've never thought that. <laughs> I I know this about myself. I uh I am an extremely impatient person. I think fast, I talk fast, I act fast. I always need to be doing something. Susan, expected expected response time for an email. 24 hours, right? 24 hours, yes. Desired response time for an email. 10 minutes. <laughs> 10 minutes. Yeah. No longer. No. You got it. I know you got it. I know you saw it. What the fuck, man? Yeah. I'm I know I'm terrible. It's terrible. This is not this is not reasonable. My my cuz I, I it is not reasonable to expect everybody to move at the speed that I move at. Yes, it just it isn't. It, it just isn't. Is. <laughs> so this has become especially uh, frustrating and upsetting for me while I've been looking for a job because obviously it ain't urgent for them. Like they might let resumes pile up for a month before they even look at them, let alone start getting back to people. Whereas me, like five minutes after I hit send, I'm like, look, if it's just a no, just tell me. It's fine. I just need to know. Just give me the info. Right? Uh, it's, and it's very, very hard. And it gets to be very depressing in the literal sense. Like it mm. really damages your mental state because it's like, why aren't they, why aren't they getting back to me? What's wrong with me? I, and this is, this is anybody who's been out of work for any length of time can relate to that. My, my wife is very familiar with my own situation <laughs> a couple months ago. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's a horrible mental place to be in, which in, in turn makes it harder for you to look for a job. And it just kind of gets out of control. So while I'm playing Phantom Doctrine, and I'll and I'll do, I'll you know, I'll, I I started off the way I normally do is like I'll just go in and shoot everybody. It'll be fine. Or and they do. It does fog of war, so you can't. You can only see what a person would be able to see. If there's a window, great. Then you can see into the room. If there isn't a window, you can't magically see if there's an enemy in there until you open the door, right? So I was going in like, whatever, it's fine. If there's somebody in there, I'll just, I'll just, uh, it'll be fine. There won't be anybody in there. Open the door. There's like three guys in there. So I had to learn to be patient, to wait. Like lots of times I might have all my movement points and not spend them because I'm just waiting for the guard to come a little closer so I can take him out quietly and not raise the alarm. And so over the course of playing this game, it has really helped me I'm still an impatient person, but I'm getting better at, well, you know what? I probably won't hear from that person until next week. So that's just how it is. Go about your day. Stop checking your email. It ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's really just helped underscore for me. Sometimes all you can do is wait for the right moment and then you can act. And that's just the truth about life about games, about basically everything. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't something I really expected. I was looking for something to kill time with because I, was, I have a lot of time, man. Right well, I'm always, I'm always interested in... Everybody 
here on the show, our regular listeners, the people that make this show happen, I feel like are the type of people that know that that kind of, um, forgive the use of the word, visceral uh, experience of art is a real thing. Something Mm -hmm. that reaches down into your deepest gut parts and changes you. Changes the way Mm -hmm. you think about the world. It changes the way you see yourself and the way you interact with the world. And the question for me is always, does it carry forward? Because there is a superficial experience with art where it can change the way you feel. Mm. And changing the way you feel is a, a wonderful, wonderful thing when you're experiencing art. I was reading today uh, uh, just a quick essay about romantic comedies and how the best romantic comedies are ultimately shallow because what they want you to experience is a quick feeling. They Mm. want to give you an emotional experience that is immediate, and they don't want to change you. They want to change how you feel, not you. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm interested in... Yo, like, what is that moment? When was it when you were playing Phantom Doctrine? Was it that moment that you said, I don't know what's on the other side of that door. I'm going to go through that door. I don't care what's going to happen. And then you're confronted with the three bad guys immediately. Mm-hmm. Is that the moment where it was like, this is changing who I am, not how I feel? It was, so I, I, I was failing a lot in the beginning. And part of that was just because I didn't understand how the game worked, mm-hmm. like the actual mechanics of it. And part of it was because I had the wrong mindset. Yeah. There's not only was I just trying to, well, it's my turn. So I'm going <laughs> right. That's not going to work, but I'm also, not going to waste my turn. They've exactly they've Wait, me with a turn. I have, I have a whole other turn. Like I have a whole other move left. I can still get right. Cause that's efficient. And there are uh, two times of items to collect. There's Intel and then there's equipment. And it's hidden throughout the levels. And so, of course, I would try to collect all of it because there's collectibles in the game. I must get them all. And in in doing all of that, I kept failing over and over and over until it was it was really like a clubbing on the head like, bitch, look, (laughs) you can keep doing it this way and you will keep failing or maybe you can rethink your approach. <laughs> and it, it, you know, the penny finally dropped for me. Like, you know what? It would be awesome for me to be get all six pieces of intel from this level. It's too risky. Mm-hmm. And I have decided that my desire to get away unseen is more important to me than my desire to collect all of this stuff. Even though it would be extremely helpful because it's stuff like you'll collect things like bulletproof vests and silencers and better guns and frag grenades, like all sorts of stuff that is genuinely useful. But it's about making the best choice for the situation that you are presented with. And the thing is with, with game and that's, that's going to sound like no shit. Duh, like No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I, right? I think but like, that's, that's a real insight. That's a real insight. It, with games, ga- games want you to be powerful, right? They're there to fulfill your fantasy of being omniscient or super powerful or, or whatever. And, and honestly, the way I typically go into a situation that is strategic is to go in overpowered. So mm-hmm. when I fuck it up, all I got to do is shoot them once and they're dead. <laughs> that, is, that is how I, uh, you know, full on overpowered bull in China shop is me. So 
for this game to be getting me to take that step back and saying, okay, that ain't going to work, honey, mm-hmm. is really something. Yeah. And uh, it's something that even, even if I never finish the game, even if, I'm, even if I never go play it on normal, that is meaningful to me and not something I ever saw coming. It's it's interesting, you know. I I've gotten to a place personally where I've started to think about games not as things that empower the player. You know, power mm. is always the language that we use to talk about what you're doing in a game. You're empowered to do these things, but the fantasy in games is certainty. Mm. The, th- the thing the thing that a game offers you is a narrowing of your choices. Mm. It says you can't do everything you can do these things and some people really benefit from the freedom to push against that you know i feel like uh part of the reason that open world games have been so successful over the past say 15 years is because most people don't like to think too hard about the confines of their own every day they don't Mm. want to push against their own boundaries they don't want to think about their own boundaries so they want a space that is open for them to push against the edges it's safe inside of grand theft auto grand theft auto is a safe space you can push against that and it's interesting to me that the certainty that you're benefiting from the, the the choices that are limited for you are ones that say don't don't try to do everything all at once. Try to be specific. Try to mm. narrow down. Try to drill into this thing. That's fascinating. I, I, can't, I can't imagine getting more out of a game than that. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's... You know, you go into a game like Life is Strange or Gone Home or Journey and you expect to come out the other side having had an experience, right? Mm -hmm. Having been touched by this art. But uh, yeah, my approach to, to these situations, much like my approach to strategic situations in life (laughs) is to throw my not unsubstantial will at it until it cowers before me. Right. That doesn't work. (laughs) I mean, well, it works sometimes yeah. it works well, it, a lot of the time yeah it works in the real life it works most of the time honestly but uh but not always and yeah. the not always was really doing my head in yeah uh because yeah, i was like wait a minute what what, what? <laughs> so so it was really beneficial to have like hey yeah, you're, you have great gear right now. It doesn't matter because there are five guys in the room and they all have shotguns. Bless your heart. You're going down. I, so yeah. does, this, does this come back up to a superficial place? Because you, you played Mario in Rabbids and you were like, mm. oh, la-di-da, I played the delightful unhinged cartoon smile version of you know this, this milieu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now you've gone, you know, completely in the opposite direction. You've played like a super hardcore version of this. Do you have a flavor for this now? Do you want to continue to sort of play within these boundaries? Do you want like a fire emblem or, uh, you know, uh, I, that sort of thing? Because it's similar. It, 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 I, you know, and I don't, 
I don't think I do, honestly. Mm. The thing I loved about Mario Plus Rabbids is it was challenging, but also bright and colorful and silly. And the rabbits make funny noises. And it was very neat. Yeah, it's candy. It was candy. This is not that. Uh, And... I, I, I'm really glad I've had this experience with it, both as a game and as something that has affected me on a deeper level. It hasn't made me go, oh, now I want to try XCOM, right? Like that's, it, it puts me in a mental place that is not why I go to games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think, Susan, I can imagine you playing XCOM, like recent XCOM, like X- XCOM yeah. Enemy Unknown, and you getting up and frightening Bridget because you are in the middle of the room screaming, Marines, yeah. we are leaving! <laughs> 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 Where's yes. A-Pone? Where's A-Pone? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, yeah, but um, really glad I had this experience, and I ha- and I recommend the game if you are into strategy. Uh, it's it's uh, it's the eighties nature of it was very appealing to me, mm. and uh, and I think it's a hoot. Uh, my husband is playing it as well. He digs it too, and he is a big XCOM person. So yeah, it's really funny. Before before you started talking about the game on this episode, I thought Phantom Doctrine was a survival game. Uh, my, I just, I, I'm clearly mentally crossing it with some other game that people are playing out in the world of Hmm. video games. And I was like, I'm going to hear about like resource gathering. Well, is it it like that? Well, cause I mean, it's not the same, but it's like, I don't know. Like I, I could imagine mixing it up with we happy few. Just because of like the, Dave, like, the fedoras, let me the tell you right now, something. I can't mix anything up with We Happy Few because I haven't hated a game like <laughs> I hate We Happy Few. What a perfect segue! I, well, I, 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 I really, I don't want to belabor the point with We Happy Few for you guys. I, the beginning and the end of my experience with We Happy Few, it's going to illustrate playing another game. But my, the beginning and end of my experience with We Happy Few is every ten minutes, I just stand up and yell at the scream, To what end? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's just like... It, it, it is honestly, if somebody took Deus Ex and were like, what if we belabored every point? And oh. then turned it in... To the guy wearing a scarf and a beret in the freshman English class. I've oh, been that guy. No. We happy few developers. We can smell our own. <laughs> oh, God, I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> it's so wow. bad. Like, yeah, it's... it's uh, Susan, I haven't hated a game quite this much since Evil Within. <gasps> yeah. And oh like I, I hate God. it. I hate it for different reasons. But like, it's in, it's in my hate sphere. It's in wow. the, like Alien Isolation, Evil Within landscape of games that I detest. That uh, is okay. But Alien Isolation is a good game. Yeah. Alien Isolation is a great game for ten hours, and then okay. it makes you play yeah. a second game. Yeah, all right, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. No, that's awesome. fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 
Well, yeah, that that actually helps illustrate the the thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about, and this this ties in nicely with our conversation about Phantom Doctrine. So I've been playing We Happy Few and Dead Cells, and I hate We Happy Few. I I detest playing it. it I've gotten to the place where I think about just turning it on as a chore. Dead Cells, on the other hand, I enjoy quite a bit. We talked about this on our last episode. Susan, you were just asking me about Dead Cells mm-hmm. uh, the day before we were recording back, this. It was a backer exclusive section, by yeah. the way. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, that was a backer exclusive section that we were yes. talking about Dead Cells. So, <laughs> I, I'm livid that people have been describing this game as Castlevania, because it's not. No. It's an old call no, they're calling it Metroidvania. It's it well no people have been calling it Metroidvania. It's not a Metroidvania yeah, either. Like, there's no. there's a, there's an option to turn on Castlevania esque food in the me- menu because there's like there's clearly a love for Castlevania in this. Yes, there there are Castle, there are, are there are aesthetic nods to Castlevania. Okay. There are aesthetic nods to Castlevania visually, enemy design, weapons. It's all very superficial. Even the way your character moves is reminiscent of Symphony of the Night. The, the you know, it's all surface that level stuff. Man. Yeah, the afterglow. It's all it's all you know. You you dig one inch deeper, and you're like, oh, you made a sequel to Rogue Legacy that we were waiting for the Rogue Legacy guys to make, but then they made some dumb multiplayer game instead. Hey, of that game's all right. It's fine. wait, what did it's they make? Right. Uh, it, Full Metal Furies. It's like a four player. Sort of uh, Castle Crashersy game. <laughs> yeah, can we can we agree yeah, that just that just you saying the name Full Metal Furies <laughs> and then going, ah, oh, it's like a four player, and our immediate response is just like, uh huh, great, uh-huh. Cool. cool. I bet it was on PS Plus for six months and I didn't give a shit. <laughs> Actually, no, it's Xbox One. And yeah, PC even oh, even Lord. better, even better. So Dead Cells is more Rogue Legacy. It okay. is, it's got okay. that same uh, cycle of you you go into the world, you're a blank sort of surface, you collect a lot of doodads, and it steadily builds up something that's permanent because you're going to die repeatedly. Go back right. to the beginning, okay. head okay. back out into the world. It's the exact same cycle. It's prettier, it feels better, it, uh, it sounds better, they're is the hints of greater depth. And as I've poured 10-plus hours into this game over two weeks, I find myself wondering, why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> the numbers go up, my man. No, they don't. Not consistently. The numbers sometimes go up and sometimes they don't. I can imagine the desperation of the elderly sitting at a slot machine in Atlantic City going bing, bing, and watching the numbers fly in front of them and the slot machine addiction sorrow settling in of like, why am I doing this? Now, when I pitched you guys this topic... I was still wondering what the point was. I'm at a place with the game now mm. where I feel like there is a point. When I sat oh. down, to, when, I've, when I've been playing We Happy Few, there's no question in my mind about why I'm doing this. There is a goal. There is a story. It's very clear to me what I'm supposed to be doing, even though these wide open spaces in it are procedurally generated just like the environments in Dead Cells. I don't have a question about it. 
it's so that the asshole that you're forced to play as named Arthur can, I don't know, find his brother and stop feeling bad about being a dick when he was a kid. <laughs> Something. I don't know. And then they can, like, the developers can possibly come up with some excuse to have used all these 60s British aesthetics, even though there's no logic for it in the game world at all. Anyway. <laughs> I play We Happy Few, I can see the point. Dead Cells, I've been struggling endlessly for a dozen hours without seeing the point. I see it now, a dozen hours is a little bit too much. Uh, yeah. That's too much for a game to ask you to see the point. I came to you guys wanting to talk about the games that feel pointless when you play them. But I was conflicted about the word pointless. I, I didn't feel comfortable saying, like, let's talk about pointlessness. Uh, not because that's a futile gesture. There's definitely a conversation to be had there. But because you can play a game like Tetris... Mm. Or Pac-Man Championship Edition, which are the two examples that I gave you guys, where you go out in it and it's mindless. You do the same thing over and over and over again. And even the goal of a high score isn't always the goal. You like the rhythm. You like the feel of that thing. Um, Alpha Bear is mm. one that you like, Susan. Dave, you you uh, played Ruiner for a while. I understand that Ruiner has a story, but like... Or, or enter the gungeon, that, that feel of a space. You go in, you shoot the gun, you do the thing, you repeat. That is the pleasure. Susan, you clarified for me that the pointlessness, or having a point, wasn't necessarily the word. It's vision. And finding the vision of the thing. And I am curious what you guys think about, does, does a game need to establish its vision up front? Does it need to tell you immediately, this is what you're doing, this is what your goal is, this is how you're going to experience it. Now go and refine that through your own experience endlessly. Phantom Doctrine explains the experience to you right up front, tells you what you're going to be doing. Dead Cells doesn't tell you shit. It just plops you into a room and is like, figure it out yourself, dingus. Have fun. Go, 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 go. Run through the halls. Figure it out. It spends way too long doing it. We Happy Few establishes its rules and point immediately and is worse for it. So, what do you guys think? Do you, do you need a game to tell you why you're there immediately? And how should it do that? Dave? I mean, no. Uh, <laughs> I think... I, I, it's tricky because you want that sense of mystery. I like having that feeling of not knowing why I'm there. And as long mm -hmm. as the experience to getting to that point is engaging, then coming to it five, 10, 20 hours later, like that doesn't really matter. Cause mm. I, I got there and I enjoyed the journey there. Like finding that moment, I think can be, uh, pleasurable. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I haven't spent as much time with dead cells as you, but, um, so I haven't really gotten to that point where I'm like, oh, this is what this game is trying to do. But what I have done is I go in and I spend 30 minutes on a run and I'm just like in that moment, I'm enjoying just being there. Yes. And like, like, just like, oh, this combat is so tight. Mm -hmm. Oh, just jumping, you jump up, you slam down. 
everything lights on fire because of an item you have, then you throw oil out and they light on fire even more, you throw a trap, and it just, like, feels really good. Feels great. It feels so good. (laughs) And then you get the doodads, and then you upgrade the stuff, you're like, that feels really good, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you die, and you're like, I think I'm working towards something. Are if, you? I, I mean, you are. I, I, I know, know that now. But you I know, know what? That you are like, now. as a thing that I just killed thirty hours or thirty minutes on, like you know, I've had worse times. There was, a, it was like, it was like a really good. I think, uh, like, we were talking about this earlier, and like, you were, you mentioned Hollow Knight, mm-hmm. and how, like, of course, were, he did, right? He and he, hey, Susan, he, Hollow Knight's real good. <laughs> he compared it to Hollow Knight as this, like. <laughs> For those of you at home, Susan just flipped off the webcam. Uh, uh, like Hollow Knight has like that specificity to it. It has like a purpose. It's a it's a narrative, so- not a narrative game, but it has like it is a hand. There's a beginning, thing. a middle, and an end. Yeah, there's yeah, there's structure. And like the way that I described it was like Hollow Knight is this like elegantly crafted like f- concept prog rock album right mm-hmm. it's like like neil neil pert's like got 80 drum kits right and he's just going at it and the whole thing the whole thing is basically like a 50 minute song that they did in one cut because sure. of course they did because that's what they wanted to do and dead cells is like a 28 minute death from above 1979 record where it's just like there's not a whole lot of meaning to it it's just like a dude on a drum and a dude on a bass guitar playing the bass guitar like he hates it and just making like the sickest bass lines and like like basically like dancing punk music and you're like yeah they're just screaming about girls and partying or whatever but like fuck yeah and then you're done you're like i didn't get a lot of meaning out of that but it kicked ass yeah you know and i think like that is the point of dead cells at least sure for me right now and that's yeah. that's the meaning i'm finding in that game yeah that's the I've, vision i'm finding in that game you find you find it eventually i i guess like the, the reality is, is that i'm so locked in to my and not expectation but my personal desire for beginning middle end beginning middle end i i go into a game and i demand that narrative structure immediately and when it's not given to me i bristle I'm like, ugh, ugh, why, why are you wasting my time with this? And, you know, I, I try to, you know, like, not, not like just like somebody who works as a critic, but like somebody who likes games. You know, we talk, we talk pretty regularly about trying to break out of our comfort zones and, you know, get away from our preconceptions about what a game should be. And I feel like the the funniest thing in the world is when you actually do go into an experience saying, here is what's going to satisfy my preconceptions. Here's what's going to satisfy my, what I think a game should be. And it is just bad at that. Like we happy few technically like we happy few should be a game by all rights that I love more than anything. It checks all of my boxes and I hate it. And what's more, I hate it because I'm not, growing from the experience in any single way it's not changing me as opposed to changing how i feel uh like we were just talking about with phantom doctrine dead cells dead cells like i i was expecting to come into this conversation and rant about how i hated dead cells because it was wasting my goddamn time but i honestly think it's a healthy thing 
that I play a game that's not pregnant with meaning and history <laughs> and yeah. artfulness and lore. And in, yeah, and and lore and all of the things that enrich the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, in a, in a lot of ways, all, Dead Cells is giving me all of the nutrients that people say Breath of the Wild gives you. But, um, oh my god. I snuck in the dig! Unbelievable. <laughs> I just slid it in. Susan, uh, wh- when is when is a game supposed to tell you what it's all about? Like, right at, right at the beginning? Five minutes. Five minutes, that's interesting. You should understand what a game is going for. In the first five minutes, yeah. right? Whether that's a narrative, whether that's something skill-based, whether that, whatever the jam is, even if it's just the look and feel, it should be able to communicate that to you immediately. Now, mm-hmm. of course, it can develop that. It can subvert that. This is part of the reason why I jam on mobile games mm-hmm. so much, because a lot of them, their sole purpose is to waste your time. While you're standing in line, while you're commuting, while you're doing whatever, you need something to take your mind off the doldrums, and that is its sole function. And it needs to do that better than the millions of other options that can do that. And that leads to these games being very, very concentrated and very focused Mm -hmm. on the particular experience they want to give you. And they give it to you immediately. And then you know immediately whether or not it is your jam and that's wonderful. And then it lives on your phone forever. And when you have 10 minutes, you bust it out. And you're like, yay! <laughs> and then you put it away and you don't think about it again until the next time you want it to be there. And that's awesome. And that's completely divorced from the stuff you're talking about, like having a beginning, middle and end and, and having meaning and changing you as a human. It's like, no, they're not shooting for that though. There are mobile experiences that will do that. The, the ones I gravitate towards are the, we got you for 10 minutes, we're going to make it an enjoyable 10 minutes, and then send you on your way. How you doing? All right, good girl. Goodbye. <laughs> you have a good day now. Take a stuffed animal on your way out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Did you get a gift bag? You should get a gift bag. If you did not give a gift bag, gift bags are $1.99 in the Apple store. Please yeah. put in your password for a gift bag. And yeah. I will, oh, and, 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 and by the way, if I may, if I may just get up on my soapbox for a moment. If you have a, a free-to-play game on your phone that you enjoy a great deal, if you have played it for more than five hours, buy something! Buy something. <laughs> Whatever. Even if you're not going to use it, buy it. The developer deserves it. They have entertained you. Give them a dollar. Unless it's ad-supported. What are you talking about? If it's ad-supported, that's different. If it's ad-supported, mm-hmm. they're, they're getting paid. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's that's not a uh, common model, honestly. Nah, not anymore. Not. Mm-hmm. No. Um. Yeah. It's. Yeah. I I heard. God, this is years and years and years ago. Right when I was first getting into the video game world, I was at a Sega event. Wow. And this is uh, early, you know, PS3 360 days. They were showing like Mad World and Bayonetta, and you know, this is the long, long ago. And uh, there was an older critic who worked for a New York City newspaper. He, was, he wasn't even like a game world guy. And he was bullshitting with one of the PR uh, reps. And he said, you know, like, for me, 
I only have to see a game for 15 minutes and I know how I'm going to review it. 15 minutes oh. and I know how I'm going to review it. And I used to think, like, I at the time, I almost threw up. I was like, that's just the most nauseating thing that I think I've ever heard. And I realize now, in retrospect, that I was projecting my interpretation of what he was saying. I was eavesdropping on a conversation. I didn't know hmm. this guy. I heard one statement and automatically was ready to swing off to fucking NeoGAF. If Twitter was popular <laughs> in 2009, I would have been on there being like, overheard at a Sega event, fuck yourself forever. But like, what he was really saying is what you're saying, Susan. Let me know up front. Let me know within my initial experience of this what I'm in for. Tell me where we're headed. And I'll be on board for the journey from there. And if you don't do that, it's hard to justify keep playing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it, <laughs> the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover, is incredibly useful. You don't ever want to judge anything or any person by your first impression when you haven't dug a little bit deeper. But guess what, everybody? You also don't want to waste your time. <laughs> if somebody can't explain to you what that vision is, you know, tentatively up front, there are plenty of games where the cutscene lasts 15 minutes at this point. You know, I'm not yeah. saying that that's some kind of hard and fast rule. Uh, not to bring up Hideo Kojima again. Oh my god! <laughs> well, no. You know what? Okay. You, you can bring up Persona yeah. 4. You don't yeah. do anything. Eight hours! Persona 4 for two hours. No, two hours. Two, before two, you do yes. literally anything other than watch Watch. Movies. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna, and I was even gonna say Persona Five too, because you don't mm. like know who the bad guy is for until it. for at least like 70, 80 hours of the game, like the right, overarching true. reason why you're doing the things that you're doing. Um, but it makes its vision it build, clear, yeah, right. And it builds to that, yeah, uh, I, I, in, a, in a way that draws you, like it gives you a little taste. Yeah, it's like okay, we ha we we have a journey we're taking you on. Here's a taste. Mm -hmm. Now follow, follow the string. And like, I, right, I, it, it, and you don't do anything in Persona 4 or Persona 5 for an extended period, but you get it. Like yes. you know yes. what you're in for. It may, Like you might not know the exact mechanics, you might not, but you know the vibe, you know what's being asked of you, and you understand the road you're about to be on. Right, like, you know, you don't, I said eight hours because Persona 3, 4, and 5 all have this thing where they don't, cut you loose they don't say now you can engage the daily schedule for eight to 12 hours all yeah. three of them are like you know we're gonna we're gonna take you along prologue we're gonna teach you how to dungeon crawl we're gonna teach you how to battle we're gonna teach you what social links are and then after a dozen or so hours get out there go do the daily schedule persona 5 tells you what it's all about probably within 10 minutes because mm -hmm. I think the first choice that you get is when you're lost in the subway station and you actually get control of your character in the middle of a cutscene looking for the exit on how to get out to the school. And the average player would look at that and be like, why did you let me have the stick for two seconds only to take it away again? Just to tell you what the point is. Why did you, tell, why did you make me push a broken down car at the <laughs> beginning of Final Fantasy XV? There you go. That was so good, though. It's to tell it's you what's like it's to make you fall in love with Prompto, dog. Yeah, <laughs> I see people online going like, oh, this five minutes pushing a car." Like, 
The nope. point is the camaraderie. The point exactly. is that you're getting through this shitty situation and the next ones that come together. Yeah. Anyway. And Dead Cells has been trying to tell me for 10 hours that the point is not the evolving lore of the lost, the malaise and the why are you a fungus man and why are you getting... Yeah, you're a fungus man, Susan. I, I know. Oh, okay. Oh. You don't have a head. You don't have a head. You're you are like a fungus ball. Are you Chuck has... D head? You're, you're not <laughs> Chuck D head. You're not Stubbs the zombie. You're you're a It's thing. a non-litigious version of Chuck D head. <laughs> <laughs> that is the deepest cut. That's what we bring. What we bring on this show is the deep cuts for y'all. Uh, and there are a specific group of people that uh, pay us a certain amount of money to make this thing that gets their name said out loud. Yes. Dave Roberts, who are they? Go to patreon.com slash continue podcast. Uh, you can pledge money to our show to keep this going. Uh, it is entirely funded by y'all. Uh, thank you very much. And I'm going to read our special shout outs here. So we've got Mirko Rico Torino, Ryan Brady, John, Nick Rugen. Double Taco, Yaddle, Gluttony One of Seven, Peter, Ryan Mance, Adam Condra, oh God, uh, Putnik Santiago, Jason Ariola, Matthew Peters, Michael Coffey, Thierry Belair, Eric Van Quill, Olmec, The Fancy Manatee, Denton Brock, Elio Dare, Oasis of Optimism, Ludwig Kitzman, Stormshot, Francisco Arias Guimaraes, Kalen Houston, Axel Olsen Mangholt, Tyler Nilsson, Shane Nelson, Jacob Christos, Chris Cook, Skip Dippity, Tim Chesson, Jose Bullet, Bob Cordova, Daniel Squire, Tom Derek Sanskrit, and Damian Michalese. We Thank have so a much. we have a we have a backer named Oasis of Optimism because I yeah. love you. I yeah. know. I was that's thinking great. that too. I'm like, that's wonderful. I that's my <laughs> new favorite thing. That's amazing. Uh, yes, everybody. Thank you so much for for backing us. We are backer supported. You go to patreon.com slash continue podcast. And uh, yeah, uh, so we mentioned this in our last episode. This is still undetermined. We have stopped being a weekly show just because of professional constraints that all of us are under. If you would like to see something done on this show, if you would like an extra piece of content, we are trying to figure out what to give our backers for getting us to $750 a month. And the question right now is finding out what you want. So reach out to us over DM. Uh, Those backers who are on our Discord, please let us know. And we're trying to figure that out. A lot lot of people sounds like they want uh, a Twitch stream. They want a Twitch stream. Yeah, I think we we can try to... Give the people Ta- what they want. At, try to at least do like some kind of monthly thing where we all get together and uh, drink and Anthony yells about, I don't know, somebody yells about that something. That never happens when we stream. I'm quiet and reasoned the entire time. <laughs> just, <laughs> just yeah, the, that's accurate. Just the whole time. By Anthony's standards, maybe. But Damn it. Dave, who, uh, we, we, we give away free games for people yes. that do very specific things. Yes, uh, if you tweet uh, our show, the link to our uh, podcast, continuepod.com, uh, the episodes are all on there, or you could just uh, you add us at continuepod, or you leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, I put your name in a drawing, and uh, you get one of the old Steam keys I got kicking around 
my digital games locker. They call it that still. Is that wow. a thing? I remember it's not hearing, 2008, Dave. I was gonna say there, there's a company that called it that once, and I was like, no. Um, and your season and pass the is uh, Mirko Orico Terreno. Yay! So uh, reach out via Twitter. Uh, to either the personal account uh, at David Robots or uh, the official account at ContinuePod or hit us up on Discord if you're in there. And I'll get you your game. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, please share this show with your friends, your loved ones. If you have a sister, a niece, an aunt, a mother, and they would be interested in the things that we talk about, we want you to share it with them specifically. Uh, everyone all over the place. Uh, you can also find us in various places. Susan, where can people find you on a, uh, on a weekly basis? Uh, for the time being, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Susan Arndt, and you can also find me on Pocket Gamer, where I will tell you about mobile games. Dave Roberts, where can yeah. people find you? Find me on Twitter at David Robots. Um, I haven't updated my uh, Letterbox account, letterbox.com slash David Robots in a while. The smoke here has been so bad. Is it still real bad? It's mm. not bad right now, but it's going to be bad again next week. And it's mm. like the kind of malaise where all I want to do after I get home from work is just watch reruns and play games that I already know. <laughs> so I haven't been able to sit down and like actually think about watching a real movie, but I'm hoping to do that sometime this weekend and, and write a little bit about it. So that's where I do that. Cool. So. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at a John Agnello, where I rant about things and show you pictures of filthy Asian uh, PS Vita games. That's, that's my jam. Uh, you can also find me at escapistmagazine.com and... Yeah, twitch.tv slash escapistmagazine. Bookmark that. Tuesdays and Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern is when the show is going to air for a little bit. It's probably going to change. We're going we're to launch period, dogs. It's going to get weird. Yeah, for reals. Uh, you can also check out my other podcast if you like video game music called Video Game Grooves. Just go to iTunes and search Video Game Grooves. Everybody... Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye-bye.